Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the uncanny X-Men comics commentary podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss the uncanny X-Men number 139, the November 1980 issue, which was on sale August 26th of 1980, and this one is called Something Wicked This Way Comes. That's a terrible title. similarly generic to other other titles. Uh, the first thing that I see that's different on this cover is that in the little heads up by the price, uh, we now see Kitty Pride and we see Angel. So is Angel a member of the X-Men? For the time being, yes. Oh, crazy. We also don't see Cyclops. That's right. That's right. Uh, this is... This is like a really generic cover, in my opinion. But it's got that classic quote that will be reused again and again. Welcome to the X-Men, Kitty Pride. Hope you survive the experience. Yeah. Is this the first time we see this quote, or have we seen it before? Hope you survive the experience. I think that's this is the first quote of that, I think. Okay. She, uh, Kitty Pride, that is, is in the middle of the cover, and she's wearing an old-school X-Men uniform. Slightly modified, maybe, but... Definitely reminiscent of X-Men circa 1963. Interestingly enough that you should mention the costume. In the uh, omnibus, there is a Kitty Pride character designed by John Byrne. Uh-huh. It says age about 14, 15, height 5'5", weight 97 pounds, measurements, never you mind, she's too young for you anyway. <laughs> suggested real name, Catherine Kitty Pride. Uh, suggested uh, names for her... Uh, you know, superhero name, Sparrowhawk, Kittyhawk, Sprite or Spirit, and Ariel. You pronounce it Ariel or just Ariel? Uh, I guess I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know if you knew something I didn't know. Powers that spring to mind for the last two names. She's an intangible, able to make herself transparent in a visual and physical sense, floating on air currents, walking through walls. Chris, my concept here is that Ariel should be not so much a new member of the X-Men per se, but rather the first member of a second team, a kind of X-Men in training team, which could possibly also include that black kid from Fantastic Four 203. Who's that? That must be Sunspot? I, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> that black kid from Fantastic Four 203. <laughs> he doesn't have a name. They'd all, however... Uh, many there are, say, however many there are, say five, where these 
this modernized version of the original X costume, and each would occasionally go on missions with the fir first team. Should the concept prove viable, we might even do interlude episodes with these youngsters on missions of th their own. The thing to avoid, of course, would be the Legion of Substitute X-Men X stigma. Hmm. So John Byrne invented the New Mutants. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's a yeah, it's it's definitely a collaborative work progress. I mean, I'm glad they didn't do the interlude uh, Junior X-Men squad because that would have been stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I'd be interested when we get closer to the New Mutants. Uh, to to probably read some of those because I honestly I've never read many of them because they just didn't interest interest me, but I know they feature a lot of Professor X, Magneto, and I think some White Queen as well maybe even though she's dead. I wonder who that black kid from Fantastic Four is. Maybe yep. it's a new mutant. The only black kid I can think of that was a Fantastic Four is Sunspot, right? He's more he's not black. He's like Cuban or something, isn't he? Mm. Uh, I don't know. Well, anyways, uh, this cover is bisected or trisected, I guess I should say. And on the left-hand side, you see Colossus and Angel fighting a robot, probably Colosso. <laughs> In the upper right-hand corner, you see Nightcrawler and Wolverine fighting a bear, which is exciting. Wolverine wearing his regular costume. His yellow costume, good, good to point out. And then Storm on the very bottom uh, uh, tri-piece, if you want to say that. She's being tangled up by a whole bunch of tentacles. And Kitty yeah. Pride is very happy to be amongst them. Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm Kitty. Now let's open this thing up. Uh, yeah, I guess this cover was probably a... I don't see the name on it, but it looks like a John Byrne. It's a John Byrne Terry Austin cover, yes. Uh, inside, Something Wicked This Way Comes is written by Chris Claremont, plotted by John Byrne, also penciler. Terry Austin's the inker, Tom Orzachowski is the letterer, Glynis Ween is the colorist, Luis Jones is the editor, and Jim Shooter is still in charge. By the way, Luis Jones? Mm -hmm. That's Luis Simonson. Really? Yeah. So she got married. Yeah, she got married to Walt Simonson. Oh my god. <laughs> the Marvel bullpen is just nothing but inbreeding. <laughs> so uh, this splash screen here the splash page features angel being fired upon by a whole bunch of uh, rods of some kind and somebody from off panel is saying angel look out and angel is saying holy cats because he's he's a bird right and he wouldn't like cats yeah <laughs> meow and then to further phone in this issue, we get a double-page spread. <laughs> of... It's a full-size danger room splash. Oh, yeah. Storm is flying around. She's kind of uh, lecturing Angel to be careful because he's heading straight for Nightcrawler. Angel's like, whoa? And he's like flying up away, but he bumps into Nightcrawler, who's, I guess, falling towards Wolverine, who's dodging out of the way of those rods. And Colossus is fighting Colosso by himself. It's not actually Colossus, just some robot. And the yeah. first thing I got to say is Glynis Ween has made a mistake because there's a coloring issue with Wolverine's costume. Oh, yeah. What's going on with Wolverine's costume? <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like orange and brown. Weird. So I, I'm, I'm sure that'll be addressed on the next panel, but, but somebody really let the ball uh, drop here. I'm going to blame uh, Louise Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the professor is in the danger room control room with a pair of legs. He thinks to himself, 
I was afraid of this. Angel is badly out of training, and his lack of skill is endangering his fellow X-Men. And since I had this feeling this might happen, I let this happen anyway, because <laughs> I'm a good leader. Because I am a horrible man. <laughs> um, I think that, I mean, not to go back too much to the Dark Phoenix thing, but remember in the, uh, what, the the original story, there was a lot of dialogue about Angel saying this exact thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I would have felt, uh, whatever, I would have liked that dialogue to have occurred there so that this would have like more impact. Whatever he's out of he's out of practice. Yeah, the professor still should be training him on his own and not with the team yet. True that. Kitty is like oh, jerk. Oh no! <laughs> so uh, uh, Angel does bump into Nightcrawler, causing Nightcrawler to fall into a pit of fire. Angel screams, "Professor, shut down the danger room now!" But Wolverine's like, "Don't get yourself in an uproar, Blondie." The situation, the coin of phrase is well in hand. My hands, as a matter of fact. His costume is still horribly miscolored. I don't know what's going on here. What is, yeah, it, it continues to be for quite a while. It goes through the next page, too. I don't know if I would call Kitty's costume a modernized version of the original X costume. To me, it looks exactly the same. Well, it's. I'm sure there are some flourishes that we're <laughs> not paying attention to. Okay. Wolverine slices a panel off of the wall and uses it to catch uh, Nightcrawler, who is in a daze and freaked out. What What hit me? Where am I? He bamps directly in the path of the robot that Colossus is fighting is, is who he, he has just picked up and thrown with a mighty judo throw. Judo chop. It's too late. I cannot stop. Oh, that's Nightcrawler. It's too late. I ah, forget it. <laughs> I cannot stop my judo throw. I'm no good at stopping. <laughs> Wolverine points out that he wishes Nightcrawler could do his teleporting stunt without making the place smell oh sulfur and brimstone. Is sulfur spelt with a ph? That was an f. Oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Not that it matters. Storm goes and cap catches Nightcrawler. So Nightcrawler is completely ineffectual and is just being thrown around this danger room. But uh, as she's trying to rescue Nightcrawler, she gets tangled up by tentacles. And so she's like, well, I gotta drop you. Somebody else will take care of you because I gotta get myself rescued from these tentacles. To, uh, we also get some humor from Storm. She's all like, have no fear. Storm is here. I've heard of Art of the Fire and Into the Frying Pan before, my friend, but... I know, I know, this is ridiculous. But tell the truth, Storm, I'm not sure I like your new sense of humor. Yeah. And that's when she gets grabbed by the tentacles and... I'm not sure I like her new sense of humor either. <laughs> uh, Colossus catches Nightcrawler. I have him, Storm. I will be. I will even be gentle. And Storm thinks to herself, I'm not the only one developing a strange sense of humor. After all we've been through lately, I wonder if I should even be surprised. Gene dying was hilarious! The storm thinks like Cyclops talks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would say that the plot of this issue is that the X-Men are being pumped full of some sort of humor nerve gas. I would say that the uh, plot of this issue is that Nightcrawler is, as you said, ineffectual. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so she creates a little rainstorm to, I guess, I don't know, short, short circuit. Short circuit the trap. Yeah, which she does. 
Uh, it looks like they explode with a mighty foom. Foom. And so she lands down at the base of the danger room. Everybody congratulates each other. Wolverine says as he lights up a cigarette. Looks like he rolled it himself. I gotta admit, darling, I'm beginning to think Charlie made the right decision when he named you team leader after Cyclops left. Wolverine, call me Professor, Professor X, Professor Xavier, or even if you must, Charles, but not Charlie. Is that understood? Sure, Chuck. And then he makes a little squiggly thought balloon. So now we know for its official, Storm is the team leader. It was kind of briefly mentioned last issue, but now it's official. Kitty comes around the corner, and she... Uh, um, <laughs> Kitty corner. <laughs> she wonders if it's safe to come out. Angel's all down on himself. I know what you're going to say, Professor. My dumb moves nearly got Nightcrawler badly hurt, or worse. I'm sorry, it won't happen again. Wolverine says, sure, it's going to happen again. It's because you've been solo for so long, except for that time when you were on the Champions. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you're going to make mistakes, but we'll help you get over the rough spots. And who is this Wolverine character? I don't know. <laughs> it's like new coloring, new, like, nice guy. New personality, new everything. Uh, but I believe this is kind of what starts the long time, long term Angel Wolverine rivalry. Really? I thought that had started a while ago. Well, it probably started in giant size number one, but this, all right, this this continues to carry it on. How about that? I know it's. I know there was that classic X Men story that was set it kind of in motion, but right. Uh, hey, speaking of Nightcrawler, where'd he go? Wolverine asks, and that's when he swings in amazingly with a pitcher of lemonade and. Three or four glasses without spilling anything. This is amazing. Yeah, this is impossible. <laughs> yeah, the the way his spinning motion goes. At some point, this tray had to have been upside down, unless he is that dexterous. Yeah, I guess I guess he's just that dexterous. <laughs> Kitty is like, yikes! This is crazy. Each time I see Nightcrawler, I flinch. I can't seem to help myself. I want to like him, but he looks so different. He gives me the creeps. Wolverine does not want lemonade, but that's okay because Nightcrawler also brought along a beer. I don't drink lemonade. <laughs> it's my one weakness. <laughs> it's my kryptonite. Lemonade melts adamantium. Get it away. <laughs> Who doesn't like a glass? Of, I, you can be the most hardcore alcoholic, but if somebody comes along with a cold glass of lemonade, who's who's going to turn it down? Unless, like... You're in the North Pole, and you're really cold, and then you... I'm allergic to lemons. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we're just uh, accentuating the tough guy attitude of Wolverine. Colossus reverts back from his metallic form to his fleshy form, asks Kitty, what, what's what's the matter? You look so serious. And she says, oh, I don't know. It's this danger room. You could have been hurt in here, Peter. I could be hurt in here. I guess I'm scared of it. What, what might happen? The professor feels that that is a healthy and sensible reaction. He would be surprised and concerned if she wasn't scared. Uh, but she, unlike Angel, she won't be turned loose into the danger room until she's ready and uh, able to cope with any of the threats the danger room throws at her. Gee, and I figured the life of a superhero would be all fun and games. The professor th decides to throw out a suggested code name, and he says, What do you think of 
Ariel. She's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Meh. Screw that. She has no ideas of her own, though, because she doesn't throw anything out. But Storm throws out, how about Sprite? Which is way better than Ariel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I better not hear any cracks about people pulling my tab. Ouch, says the professor. (laughs) X-Men, I propose a toast to our newest member, Sprite. That's, That's a terrible joke. Well... Do you think it's like pulling my tab as in like the tab of a Sprite can or that it's like pulling the tab on a can of tab? See, it's a, that's a twofer, Adam. You could go either yeah, way on that one. That's a good question. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's it's the tab on a Sprite can, but you, you could be right. It could uh, be referring to tab. So, Whatever. Everybody's trying to be funny and they're all failing. <laughs> Nightcrawler... Uh, Points out the elephant in the room. Wolverine. Oh, no, that's Wolverine. Wolverine, I've been meaning to ask you, why the new costume? Why not? Professor, got a minute? (laughs) And so there you have (laughs) The origin of Wolverine's orange costume. Just felt like dyeing my yellow clothes orange, that's all. Fuzzy, leave me alone. I think it's cool. (laughs) I don't drink lemonade. Is there anything in your omnibus about, like, I don't know. Somebody, I mean, it's essentially the same costume, isn't it? Uh, from what I've read, John Byrne just didn't like the yellow colors. Uh, no, actually, it's way different. So uh, the yellow costume has got like some spikes on his shoulders and on his rib bones. This is like a triangle that goes over his shoulders and then another triangle that goes basically down the treasure trail. <laughs> and his little spiky things on his cowl seem more angular and taller. Hmm. Those are the differences as I flip back and forth between annual four. And his belt is a different color, but so yeah, I guess there's there's enough differences here. Yeah, all I've heard about this is a it was all it was all John Byrne. Okay. Good enough. So when John Byrne was out of the picture and who uh wasn't it Jim Lee that came back and was like, I want it yellow. Yeah, it was it was actually interesting because there's there's a story that um Jim Lee was like, since John Byrne was actually writing the dialogue for those issues, Jim Lee went to John Byrne and was like, hey, I figured out a way to get Wolverine back to his cool costume, went out of that stupid orange one. (laughs) John Byrne's like, what? I invented that. (laughs) That's mine, you know. Well, anyways. So Wolverine comes up with this idea. He says that he wants to go back to Canada because, as everybody knows, he was part of the Secret Service until he resigned. And they accept the, you know, they refuse to accept his resignation. They have the warrant out for his arrest. If this isn't cleared up, they'll be hassling the X-Men from now till doomsday. But I thought that at the end of that, whatever it was, when they were trying to come back from... Japan to the United States and got kidnapped to Canada. I thought at the end of one of those issues, the prime minister of Canada was like, oh, all right, he's fine. Well, I think they, uh, it didn't say he was fine. It was just say, we're not going to waste any more budget on him. But they don't, Wolverine, like, doesn't know that. It, well, right. I understand that. But, oh, yeah. So good on him. He's trying to like, clear his name or, like, make sure that this thing doesn't keep following them. I guess it's probably just another excuse to get Alpha Flight in the pages of the X-Men because maybe they could launch their own series. Yeah, this is a weird issue. I mean, it seems like, you know, they're kind of doing some new direction-y type stuff, but then they're also going back to some old stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I feel like they don't they don't really have a plan post-Gene Grey. No, yet. no. 
This issue, certainly, there's no, in my opinion, plan. Uh, the professor, or Wolverine would like to go to Canada by himself, but the professor recommends that somebody should go along with him. So Wolverine grabs uh, Nightcrawler and asks him to come along. He's ineffectual. Take him. <laughs> yeah. The team will not miss him at all. The professor also has a surprise for Sprite. Really? That's great, I think. What is it? I'm not going to tell you. Go with Storm, because I'm a jerk. <laughs> It probably is training or something horrible, maybe. So Storm and Kitty are walking downtown Salem Center or something like that, wherever they are, and they're walking around. So Kitty, she's all sorts of full of herself. She's dressed in some sort of, like, hippie Indian garb. Who? Kitty? Kitty. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like 70s, early 80s yeah. hipster wear, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Well, it reminds me of old days. Ugh. <laughs> so she loves dancing, and so the professor is gave them an address of a dance teacher. They go to the studio, but the door is locked, so Kitty faces through, and she's surprised at how easy it is. So she's essentially breaking and entering into this place, and then she unlocks the door, and the storm comes in. Ugh. Well, the door isn't locked. The door is just... Uh, stuck? A broom fell, oh, so it's right. stuck. Still breaking and entering. Well, yeah. Nobody's... Nobody's greeting him at the door. This is where Kitty's full of herself. She's like, I'm a genius, you know, and my peers are in ninth grade, and I'm taking college-level courses. Academically, we don't fit. I'm better than them. <laughs> but dancing is how I balance the scales. Uh, I can't make my body grow any faster, so this keeps me right on uh, target with my my peers dancing. They're equals. Boy, it's nice to be able to do that. Storm thinks to herself, boy, this, this kid's really... Got a big ego. <laughs> I, Just like the professor. <laughs> I don't know if I like this little girl. She's a child struggling to hold on to her childhood. I, too, faced such a conflict in Cairo after my parents were killed. I had to grow up very quickly, perhaps too quickly. Now I remember Aurora the goddess and Aurora the girl thief, but not Aurora the child. I will do whatever I can to help Kitty win her battle to be as normal as possible. Yay. So they arrive at the dance studio... And they introduce themselves, or I guess get introduced to Stevie Hunter and her studio. How come they didn't knock or use the doorbell? No kidding. A call. I mean, obviously they were showcasing Kitty's powers, but... Right. Just kind of, what do you do when the door is closed? You knock. They're just barging in. If I'm Stevie Hunter, I'm like, what? Just saying. What are you guys doing in here? Don't you guys knock? Well, she's not. She's She's actually okay with this whole thing. So Kitty introduces herself to Stevie. She's happy to be her student. She saw Stevie dance in Chicago before Stevie's accident, and Stevie was wonderful. I wonder what Stevie's accident was. Who knows? But she offers everybody, or Storm and Kitty, some iced tea. Hmm, continuing the theme of iced beverages. <laughs> These girls are going to have to pee something fierce. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in Calgary, or I don't know, Canada, Ottawa. We get a lot of backstory about um, a brilliant maverick research physicist named James McDonald Hudson and his wife, Heather, executive secretary for Yukon Oil, one of the country's biggest energy conglomerates. They live in a tiny apartment. They have trouble keep, uh, make, making ends meet. Looks like they live in a yeah uh, an apartment or a duplex, but they definitely don't have their own home. Somebody is very into Volkswagens, because in that second panel, 
she is driving a Volkswagen Beetle, and also parked on the street is a Volkswagen Microbus. Oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe Jim or John Byrne was like really into Volkswagens at this time. He's like, that's some cool shit. <laughs> yep. Uh, she talks about how. Between the two of them, they make a respectable salary, yet they strain to make ends meet. They want to have children someday, but how can they possibly afford them? Oh, the door is ajar. I should call the police, but I'm not going to. I wouldn't want to look like a fool in case it's nothing. Oh, it's just Nightcrawler and Wolverine. Oh, no. (laughs) So she starts swatting them with her broom. (laughs) Hiya, sexy. How you been? Wolverine? Logan? It's so good to see you. It's been so long. You louse, I nearly died of fright just now. Wolverine picks her up off the ground, like a good two and a half feet off the ground. He's very excited to see her. Anyone ever tell you you're beautiful when you're angry? You did, often. (laughs) Wolverine, she called you Logan. Yup. Is that your name? Yup. You never told us. You never asked. Which I find hard to believe. (laughs) They're not sitting around the old X-Mansion table... Talking about days of yore. And they look over at Wolverine and they're like, Wolverine, 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 what's your real name? I'm getting tired of calling you Wolverine. I just, this is something that bugs me and will continue to bug me about other characters that they introduce and take into their own because they treat each other like such close family, yet nobody knows anybody's real name. It just doesn't make any sense. But I guess that's kind of the Marvel way. I mean, I guess the Avengers for a long time didn't know the secret identities of each other, even though they were living in the same mansion with one another. Right. Some of them know each other's identities, but it's like one of one of the charter rules is that they don't have to reveal their identity if they don't want to. And that's fine, but I don't know. After you, like, fight with one another and, like, share... Uh, battles i don't know well yeah i mean this is slightly different the x-men are a family yeah anyways they call each other kurt and peter and kitty and aurora and wolverine (laughs) and soon rogue (laughs) uh so what's her name again jessica jennifer heather heather she's she's like your friend is one of the x-men right night creeper which that's actually a pretty good handle they should uh, they should uh, have a character named Night Creeper. Maybe they'll have one later this year. Nightcrawler. Take a bow, pal, and make nice with the lady till I met you clowns. She and Mac were the only true friends I had, except I told them my name and not you. Enchanté, <laughs> <laughs> uh, madam. With friends like you, I can't imagine where Wolverine developed his delightful personality. Yeah, can it fuzzy or else? Heather wants to know if Logan is here to fight Mac. And he says that he came to make peace. And she says, good. We three have been apart too long. He's in the Hudson Bay. There's there's something dangerous up there. So Department H and Alpha Flight are on the case. So time passes, and along the shoreline of a bay that's bigger than many states, a ball of scarlet fire streaks across the early evening sky. And it's it's Jamie Hudson. Vindicator. Yes. Uh, he didn't want this job. He had intended that honor for his protege, Wolverine. But things hadn't worked out that way. He'd intended out the way he'd intended. That failure still rankles. I'm not sure what that means, Adam. 
<laughs> must be a Canadian word. Yeah, that rankles. That really rankles, you know. Eh. I'm back in record time. This battle suit works like a dream. I designed it, and its capabilities still continue to amaze and surprise me, eh? You just keep going with that. <laughs> <laughs> he he, he uh, is enjoying the flight suit. It's like an extension of his own body. It's like putting his life on the line uh, as a member of Alpha Flight that gives him the willy. So he's like a reluctant superhero. Yeah, he really likes designing the suit and all the cool science-y stuff, but he doesn't like being a member of Alpha Flight, hmm. or the, especially not the leader. So he lands, uh, it looks like they're at a cabin. Uh, and He says that Aurora, North Star, and Sasquatch are on a mission in the States, a covert operation to kidnap Machine Man. For that story, check out Machine Man 19. This, uh, this is Shaman and uh, uh, who's the girl? Uh, Snowbird. Snowbird, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so they're talking about some some things. I don't really know what they're talking about, to be honest. He takes off his mask, and I do not like the way that James Hudson looks. Have we seen James Hudson without his mask before? I don't think we have. Because he took his mask off, and I'm like, this does not look like anybody I've ever seen in this comic book yet. <laughs> He's got, like, this Brillo head haircut thing going on. I don't like it. No, I don't either. Which is strange, because I don't really have strong reactions to drawings. But this one just, this one really rankles me. <laughs> yeah, I'm really rankled too, eh? So they've been after uh, somebody for over a week. The minister wants to know why it's taking so long. He wants instant results. Oh, they start going into the whole bureaucratic, like, why doesn't he come up here and do the work himself? I hate those bureaucrats. I hate those smarmy little bureaucrats. Spoken like a true field agent, eh? So that's my Indian-Canadian mixture. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best, Jimmy. You know that. But unless we get lucky, it will take time, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so they've been scouring the forest for miles uh, from the air without spotting a sign of him. We don't know who him is yet, but he's big. And they don't know how he could disappear so completely. And they say basically they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna get lucky or they're not going to get lucky when suddenly, Jimmy, my mystic alarms, intruders... <laughs> so uh, Jamie puts on his helmet to become Vindicator, Snowbird. Like I guess she shape changes into her costume or something. And uh, and uh, Shaman puts together his mystical bands of Sidorak to <laughs> turn his costume on. This is Canadian Sidorak, though. <laughs> so it's Sidorak, eh? Yeah, <laughs> my mystic bands of Sidorak, eh? No, the A is actually part of it, eh? <laughs> In this case, it's part of it. Uh, Snowbird turns into a bear. Vindicator worries that whenever Snowbird shape changes, it seems like she takes on the mental characteristics of that animal. And if she should ever lose control, or if the beast part of her should ever take control, dot, dot, dot. That's when we get, Hey, Mac, is all this fuss on our account? What? Eh? Don't bother. Wolverine, I hope I pray you know what we're doing, because I am not going to help. <laughs> I'm in fiction. Be cool, pal. And uh, Shaman turns around and he's like, Wolverine, or Wolverine, eh? Nightcrawler, what are you X-Men doing here? Eh? I haven't the foggy Shaman. That's like Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. 
That's a good one, though. But if it's not old scores, they'll be they'll find us ready for them, eh? So whenever we have Kitty's dad provided or in the the uh, comic, you have to remember that voice because I can't think of too many other Jewish male uh, superheroes. Although okay. I guess Magneto's revealed later on to be Jewish, but <laughs> so we. <laughs> All right, that'll be good for a... <laughs> the new Magneto voice. <laughs> Magneto voice. Uh, I am poor, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not Canadian Jewish. <laughs> Although, I know, but now I'm stuck on Canadian saying A all the time. <laughs> Although that is pretty funny. Oi. <laughs> Oi. So Wolverine, he's like, no, we're not here. But if you make the first move, we'll finish it. Jamie's like, stay back. He pops his claws. Yeah. Wolverine, stop this at once. We came here to talk, not fight, remember? Don't tell me, partner. Tell them. Even though I'm kind of being a jerk in this case. <laughs> Crawler's right, Mac. I wouldn't mind a good scrap, but this ain't the time for it. I'm willing to abide by a truce. But I'd fight. Just putting it out there. Because <laughs> that's who I am. Snowbird, in her bear form, surprises Wolverine to such a degree that his second mutant power metamorphosizes, which causes his eyes to get super big and his hair to stand on end. Thank heaven. I... Yikes! This is a terrible... I mean, I understand what John Byrne is going for, but this it's is comedy. It's ridiculous. <laughs> this isn't an Archie comic, Adam. This is the X Men. It's terrible. Come on, it's not and then, terrible. It's not only funny. that, he jumps up on Wolverine like a cat. <laughs> he's, he's all scared and stuff. Oh, oh my heart! Oh my! Get off of me, will you? Before these bozos laugh themselves to death. Only if it's safe. <laughs> No, relax, Nightcrawler. Eh. You have nothing to fear from Alpha at least. <laughs> I don't is, know, you know what that was. Is that you're like British Canadian? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Danka, how does you do that? So, what what are they trying to do with Nightcrawler? Are they just trying to be like, he's not a superhero. He's just the, uh, he's he's just the sidekick. He is the ineffectual comedy relief of the issue. Ugh. You embarrassed him, Mac. Usually Nightcrawler is not the Nightcrawler is the scarer, not the scary. You said we have nothing to fear from Elf Flight. That implies that there's something loose in these parts that we should fear. No, it doesn't. Well, he, there was a line of dialogue in here that said, like, our, our, what did he say? Oh, he said, you, relax, Nightcrawler, you have nothing to fear from Alpha Flight, at least. Right, exactly. So that does not, that still does not imply anything. Well, Wolverine is, like, all of a sudden turned into, like, this charismatic detective sort of leadery type guy all of a sudden. They told me there was trouble. There is big trouble. Fill our guests in on the glory de or the gory detail shaman because I can't and I don't want to. And <laughs> and you're the Indian, so go. You uh, you have a better sense of speaking than I do. <laughs> Wolverine, your sense of timing is extraordinary as your temper. At this moment though, you're the least of our concerns, eh? <laughs> so it turns out that they're looking for a family uh of they're looking for the family of a Mountie named Joe Parnell. They were camping along Big Moose Creek near Hudson Bay. Uh, the, it was Parnell, his wife, their six-year-old son, and an infant daughter. They were in a remote area, and they were well-supplied. They had a two-way radio when something happened, and... They were attacked by a big old monster. The, the little kid who was reading Fantastic Four and fell asleep, because I guess Fantastic Four isn't that exciting. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he, uh, he sees through the tent the shadows of a monster attacking his dad. Mom, Dad, someone's screaming! What's happening, Dad? And then a big hand comes ripping through the tent and 
Though Tommy Parnell runs for his life, doesn't stop until a bush pilot found him two days later wandering along the shore, half dead from exposure. The boy's, sto- uh, the boy's shock was still there. He was almost catatonic. And when they found Parnell campsite and what was left of the father, we understood why. This is where Jamie Hudson decides to get back in on the story. <laughs> You've done your part there, uh, Shaman. Let me take this one over, okay? I was uh, going over to the closet here to pull out this uh, big foot, hey? Eh? <laughs> That's what I was doing while you were telling the story. Anyways, yeah, there was a big creature that uh, took uh, took him apart, I guess. We saw no sign of the girl or the daughter, so we're thinking they're still alive, but we kind of hope that they're not, eh? This mold of the brute's foot should give you an idea why, and we as the reader instantly know that if there's a giant foot and it's in Canada, it's only one of two creatures, Wendigo or the Hulk. Right? Or I guess it could be Sasquatch. Well, I, as as an X-Men reader, we might not know that. Uh, okay, fair enough. I mean, you know, this could be somebody's first issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they certainly treat it like it is. Yeah. <laughs> Wolverine instantly recognizes the foot, and he says, uh, it's not a bear, it's something much worse. It's a little irony. He came up here to clean up a loose end with Alpha Flight, but he comes face to face with the biggest loose end of them all. It'd be funny if it weren't so flaming tragic. What you're chasing, Jamie, is a myth. A legend come life called the Windigo. A legend come life. I feel like they're missing a word in between there. Like a legend come to life? Well, you know, Wolverine's, uh... I got time for words. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, we get a little flashback from Hulk number one, uh, 180 and 181. 180, 181. In which we see Wolverine introducing himself to Wendigo and the Hulk as they are fighting. In his little early Wolverine costume with the whispers. Yep, he does talk about how he was a little hot-headed or headstrong in those days, and he figured that two-to-one odds made for a fair fight. It's a little bit more than he could take, though. A little bit of... He tells the... He learned later that exactly what had happened to a hunter named Paul Cartier is that he had to turn... He got lost in the woods and had to turn cannibal and ate somebody, and uh, because the woods were cursed, he got transformed into the Windigo. So what I didn't know then was that Cartier's sister was trying to save him with the help of his friend, George Baptiste. She intended to use the black magic to shift the Wendigo curse from Cartier to the Hulk. It was, uh, I'm not sure how Wolverine figured all this stuff out. Ah, uh, he read the files. He, he read those issues. <laughs> yes. He was crazy fighting, hacking away like a madman consumed by one of, one of his berserker rages. By rights, he should have beaten those two freaks to a pulp or cut them into shish kebabs. Is this the first mention of a berserker rage? I feel like it's not. Okay. But I could be wrong. I don't know. We never finished that fight. Marie Cartier hit us with some sort of magic whammy instant dreamland. She never got the chance to zap the Hulk, though. Baptiste cast a spell instead of her taking the Hulk's place for the transformation. When the dust settled, Cartier was cured, Marie insane, and Baptiste had become the Windigo. I was recalled by Department H. The Hulk and Windigo escaped. He was uh, out of Canada a lot after that, doing his James Bond number. Never got another chance to go after either the Hulk or Windigo. What, was he doing the James Bond thing for like two months? <laughs> yeah, he can't even do the the James Bond thing. He doesn't have a last name. <laughs> Logan. His name's Logan. Logan, Logan. Logan, Logan. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah and she put it uh so he says that uh he is here to help alpha flight whether or not they want their help 
Since you put it that way, Logan, how can I refuse, eh? This window goof sounds like a formidable foe. Perhaps I should call Radio Hair Professor and ask him to send us the rest of the X-Men. Well, that's the one way, the only way in this issue you could be effective, but don't do it. <laughs> this fight's personal between me and Wendigo. Maybe this is the time, this place, the chance to get rid of it. Well, to get rid of the grief between him and Mac. Something like that. Meanwhile, we'll need our gear. I'll get it. Oh, Nightcrawler vanished, eh? How did he do that, eh? Which is a callback to Nightcrawler. When she transformed from the bear, Nightcrawler thought to himself, how does she do that? That's bad. Uh, You know, if I remember right, says Wolverine, Wendigo's preference is for freshly killed meat. If that holds true, Eileen Parnell and her baby might still be alive, and he might be able to track their scent. We've tried just about everything else. That's weird. We've tried... Just that that why is there a period after tried? We've tried to track their scent. Just about everything else. What? You're right. That is a that is a very very bad sentence. Face it, Jamie. If anyone on earth has a prayer of finding them and bringing them in whole, it's me. I'm really looking forward to it. And this is where like this issue is where uh, I really feel like John Byrne comes into his own as a Wolverine artist. Wolverine looks scary in this panel. He does, but he's also really defining a lot of the character. Well, actually, he looks a lot like uh, Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> that too. So well, maybe he's not coming into his end. I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, this is uh, they have divided. Like like you said at the beginning, they divided the uh, thing. John Byrne did the plot of this one. Mm-hmm. Chris Claremont really acted as the writer. Yep. So. Uh, Nightcrawler has mesmerized that uh, it's almost midnight and the sun is just barely setting. Um, it's a beautiful land, beautiful sunset. Reminds me of Jean. Hey, somebody actually remembers Jean. It's been months since she died, but it felt like it happened only yesterday, and I still hurt. Few things in my life have hurt so much. So it's been months. Yeah, so I guess there's just been... Makes sense. Like you can't can't always be action. So for a few months, I've just had some downtime to lick their wounds. And so wait, Angel's been training for months, and he still sucks. <laughs> yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, look at me! I'm crying like a baby. Dear Lord in heaven, why? Why did Jean have to die? Why did you transform her into Phoenix in the first place? Why? How could you have been so cruel? We get, uh, is this kind of the first reference that Nightcrawler believes in God? I think so, yeah, I think so. Nightcrawler hears no answers to his anguish cry in truth. He has expected none, and he sits there watching the brilliant sunset uh, alone with his grief. But he's not really alone, because somebody with orange vision is watching him. Wherever Gene's soul is, he prays that it is at peace. And as the world around him grows dark as his indigo skin... He disappears into the background because that's one of his mutant powers. <laughs> and whoever this is can still see him, though, because I guess he's got predator vision. Mm-hmm. That's that. Time to get Wolverine to help me lug it inside. So Nightcrawler's whole job was to get the stuff out of the car. <laughs> and uh, he turns around and he says, oh, no, help. Windigo. A giant splash page of Wendigo. It's pretty is good. That, it's a pretty good Wendigo. Is, is that Wendigo's tail, or is that like his like ponytail? I think it's his tail. Looks like it could be his ponytail. Yeah. Next issue, Rage. 
Oh, is that a new X-Man rage? Yes. <laughs> so not a not a stellar issue, but I mean, I guess they have to kind of reload, reset, get ready for the next great adventure, I guess. I feel like John Byrne is just setting up Alpha Flight. Yeah, does he become like the primary artist on Alpha Flight? And writer. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know. Uh, I thought Chris Claremont might have written that. Nope. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's totally what it is. Do a little little Alpha Flight setup. From what I've read, and I've mentioned this before, Chris Claremont wanted to write Wolverine out of the book. Right. And uh, John Byrne really liked him. Yeah, and that's fine. That's good. That's a good collaboration. I mean, they certainly made it work. But this particular issue is, is kind of boring. I, I was like, as I'm reading it, I'm like, did they add more pages to this issue? Because <laughs> it just kept going. Actually, I think they I think they may have upped because I've noticed the Avengers issues are, are longer too. I feel like they they upped the pages from twenty two to twenty six or something. Yeah, I was wondering if they had added some pages because they had uh, upped the price. Yeah, I, I, I bet I bet they did actually. Because it seems like between nineteen sixty and nineteen ninety, there was kind of like a cost page trade off. Like, well, we'll raise the price, but we'll also add a couple pages to throw them a bone. But then after that, they're like, we're going to raise the price and reduce the page count. <laughs> Screw you guys. But higher quality paper. This is the time in this show when we look at viewer mail. We got a new iTunes review. So we got a piece of iTunes feedback by Ninja626. And uh, Ninja says that uh, he or she has had love of X-Men since the early 80s. Adam and Jeremy start the issue around one and discuss the issue of awesomeness and the flaws of the X-Men from writing and art chuckles all around. So we appreciate that. And if you would like to join in on the conversation, you can also go out to iTunes, go out to the store portion of it, type in Danger Room. We'll come right up, go to ratings and reviews, give us a nice five-star review, maybe add some words of encouragement. And certainly if you have an iPhone or some other type of iDevice, subscribe to the podcast there. Otherwise, you can go to www.facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Uh, we post panels, information about the podcast up there. You can follow us at Danger Room Go on the Twitters. Or you can visit our webpage at www.xmenpodcast.com. There you can get all of the episodes and you can post a comment there too if you would like. Uh, there's also links to everything that I just said plus email which is uh, dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. And, uh, yeah, that's how you can get a hold of us. It's true. Adam, did you do any additional reading this week? I did. I did, in fact. What did you read? I read Avengers 201, which came out this, this same month. And uh, this one, Iron Man is a little unsure about how they let Miss Marvel go, uh, you know, to the Immortus's limbo. Seems like it was a mistake. Seems like it was a mistake, but, you know, they blow it off. Thor is like, nah. She was noble. So it's basically a day off for the Avengers, and Beast joins Wonder Man at his job as Mr. Muscles on the kid show, and Wonder Man gets fired. Hmm. And um, then the Wasp gets attacked by some sort of robot, and there's a Jarvis backup story, which is how the Avengers dealt with having more pages. I did not read the Jarvis backup story, however, because I really don't care about Jarvis. <laughs> well, all right. And it, and it only had one panel with Beast in it, which oh. I read that panel. <laughs> Nothing was, to report about that panel. Was it mind-bending? 
<laughs> yes. I also read Marvel Treasury Edition 27, which had a backup story about the angel, where the angel gets attacked by some lunatic who apparently Angel's father hounded his aircraft company out of business and he swore he'd have his revenge, but his father died before he could exact his revenge. So instead, he's going to kill Angel. And uh, he developed a, a spacecraft sort of thing with a needle on the front of it or a nose spear as angel calls it and is able to uh fly as well as angel around this um uh, construction skyscraper or skyscraper under construction uh angel plays chicken with this dude and at the last minute the guy uh you know chickens (laughs) (laughs) okay he loses and he ends up crashing his machine and then Angel punches him out with a mighty chuck and says, that one's for dad. And that's the end of the story. It was like five pages. Oh, was this happening at the same time as the issue we just read? This was published the same month as the issue that we read. But I, uh, my feeling is that it probably took place before the issue that we read. Sure. Makes sense. But Anything else? Same time. Nope. That's it. Well, that's it for this, for this exciting installment of what's going on outside of the X-Men's lives. Nice. All right. All right, then. No more classic X-Men. How about that? Oh, man. What are we going to do without that classic X-Men? I feel so lost. Did you know that the classic X-Men skip Days of Future Past? Really? Yeah, they, they go straight from issue 139 to issue 143. I wonder why they do that. That's yeah, weird. I don't, know. I, I don't have an answer to that. I just I was reading through my omnibus today, and they were showing all the covers of classic X-Men, and they were telling which issues they reprinted, and the Days of Future Past ones were skipped. And it goes from classic X-Men to X-Men classics. Right. Yeah. Right. Huh. I did not know that they skipped that. that I find that really weird. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, I guess then there's only one thing left to say, Adam, and that's until next time, the Danger Room is closed. Wait.